Well, these past weeks have been looking at a series based on um, Come and See, which is a kind of uh, introduction to the Christian faith that really set, tries to just go straight to the what's at the heart, what's at the center of the Christian faith, and ask some very basic questions. It starts off with saying, who? Who was and who is Jesus? And we looked at that a few weeks ago. He, he's the Son of God. He's the Savior come to us. But why did He come? Why, what was the reason for that? Was what we looked at in, in the second and then the third. We asked, how, how did He become a Savior? What was it He did that makes Him a Savior? And then this fourth week, I'm trying to combine what uh, is in two weeks um, of Come and See, taking this, going beyond this, who, who is Jesus, why did he come, and how did he do that, to say, well, what happened after that? What came next? And so what? What has that all got to do with me today? And it's these two questions that finish off the five-part series on which we are trying to set out the main theme and, and shape of the Christian faith and want to say more in coming weeks about this being available and, and usable by others. Well, Jesus, as we were hearing from Martin last week, died on the cross and rose again for us, but what happened next? There's not some guy kicking around the Middle East who's about 2,000 years old called Jesus from a place in Nazareth. Something happened. He disappeared. He went away. He was transformed into being a monument or something. What, what was next? And, and how does that connect with us? Because if the gospel click claim is true, then Jesus is not just a past figure to hear about, but someone who connects with us in the everyday here and now. Well, we are told in numerous places and uh, ways in the gospels how Jesus was helped, Jesus was guided, Jesus was sustained by the Holy Spirit. Indeed, in the beginning of the letter to the Romans, in verse 4 of chapter 1, Paul says it was through the Holy Spirit that Jesus was able to rise from the dead. And Jesus himself had promised that when he was no longer with his followers in the body, he would send the Holy Spirit to be with and among them. And the claim of the gospel then is not just here's a God that we can believe in, but here's a God that we can know and have our lives shaped by him. And Jesus reaffirmed these promises in um, the eighth verse of Acts chapter 1, with which we began our service. And then Jesus left the disciples. We're told in verse 9 of Acts 1 that he ascended, he disappeared from their sight to be back with the Father. And soon after that, at the day we call Pentecost, and we can read of it at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit, as promised, came on Jesus' followers. And then the promise was made on that day after Peter had spoken to the crowds that they said, well, what's all that got to do with us? What do we do next? And Peter said, you've got to repent and believe and be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.38. He didn't say you might. He didn't say some of you will. He didn't say once you've been a Christian for six years, you know, two years, 20 years. You will receive the Holy Spirit, when you believe and turn to Christ. And that word, not just in Acts 2, but through the rest of the New Testament, is affirmed that a Christian is one who believes in God, one who follows Jesus, but also one who has the Holy Spirit living in him or her. 
We enter the Christian faith through repentance and faith, but it's, it's like if you imagine that going in the doorway, we, we receive the Holy Spirit at the door. He's not gained afterwards, nor is He a reward for sticking with Jesus for a while. It is through the Spirit, it is because of the Spirit that we become Christians in the first place, that we are made new, that we ourselves experience Jesus' resurrection power. Now, there are many different ways in which people come to faith. Maybe it took you a long time figuring it out, thinking about it. Maybe it happened quite quickly when you weren't expecting it. Maybe it's still to happen. Maybe not yet. Have you said, I'm following Jesus. I believe what the gospel tells me about Him, and on the basis of that, receive the Holy Spirit. But no matter how long it takes us, what stage of life we're at, or when we've come, for all of us, Christianity is a living relationship with God. We don't just accept some beliefs. We don't just agree in a code of conduct. We're in a living relationship with a living person because the Holy Spirit is with us just as Jesus was with His first disciples, with the obvious exception that He's not in the body. Because if He was in the body here, He couldn't be somewhere else. Here is Jesus being made available to all the world. Now, the importance of the Spirit is something that's emphasized in that passage in, in Romans chapter 8 that we had read earlier on. In the first four verses of Romans 8, we see that underlined again that we're all guilty sinners. The Bible is clear that none of us make ourselves good enough for God. God's perfect. You and I are not. Okay, we might not be as bad as, say, Joseph Stalin. Um, well, that'd be in most people's eyes. For some people, Stalin's still a bit of a hero. We might not be as bad as him, but that doesn't mean we're perfect. That doesn't mean we're good enough for God. There are not two groups or two categories, those who are good enough for God and those who are not and need His mercy. There's only the one category. We are all less than perfect. We are all in need of forgiveness. Before God, we are all simply in the position of being beggars asking for food. And through Jesus, God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. Verse 3. The law, the rules, our own efforts were powerless, but God sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Christ has paid our debt so that there can be forgiveness, which is why there is for those in Christ, verse 1 of chapter 8, no condemnation. But if we're all in that same boat, and we are, when we are encountered by the gospel, there's actually two ways to go. We're all in the same boat in terms of needing God's forgiveness and the gift of new life, but we're not all in the same boat in terms of how we respond to Jesus. Jesus called people to follow Him, to walk in His ways, to put His teaching into practice, to accept His lifestyle, and to take on His priorities. And after an encounter with Jesus, we either live a life in which we please ourselves and forget Him, or we put our ambitions and our priorities in line with what Christ wants. 
doing our own thing is what Paul means by the living according to the flesh in verse 4. And notice how that is contrasted, verse 5, with those who live according to the Spirit. So, while we all need God's forgiveness, that splits into two groups of people, separated not by who's good and who's bad, but separated by whether or not we have accepted the forgiveness of God and all that comes with it. And just as we can say a Christian believes in God, we can also say he or she is someone who is a follower of Jesus, and we can also say that he or she is someone in whom lives the Spirit of God. You are not in the realm of the flesh, verse 9, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. So, there are two ways, flesh and Spirit. Who are we following? And these two ways are seen in a new life or new lifestyle, verses 5 to 8. Those who are living according to God's Spirit have their minds set on the, God's desires and not just on their own preferences. A Christian has the same desire, even if it's only a faint copy, we have the same desires as a desire that drove Jesus on. Jesus didn't go through His life taking things as they came or seeing what He could do to most fulfill His disciples' ambitions or His family's ambitions. Above all, He wanted to serve and please God the Father. He wanted to see the kingdom of God established and grow. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the case with his followers. Our minds are no longer just set on what's in it for me, but what can I do for the, to please God the Father? What can I do for the cause of his kingdom? And having our minds set on these different goals, verse 5, leads to different behavior and lifestyle, verse 6 and following. That is, there's a new motivation, a new principle at work, which changes who we are, changes how we think about things, how we see things bit like a teenage boy who for years had been just kind of quite messy and not caring about his own appearance. A few months ago, it seemed that he didn't realize there were such things as combs. He seemed to think that soap was a scarce commodity and not to be overused. Oh, but now he's different. Now he's smartened himself up. Now he's taking a big interest in his appearance. Now he's spending a long time in front of the mirror making sure everything looks good. Why? Not because somebody has told him to, not because of a new set of rules, but because he's in love. It's changed him. It's changed how he sees things. It's changed his priorities. It's, it's changed how he approaches things. Now, in a similar way, a Christian has given, through the Spirit, a new heart, a new desire that comes from within, and that changes the way that we act. And so, Christian behavior is not something that we do by simply by trying harder, but it grows out of this new life given us through the Holy Spirit. It's the difference between a living tree and, and say, a Christmas tree. In the Christmas tree, the decorations are put there. The Christmas tree doesn't have within itself the ability or the power to grow tinsel or lights or bulbs or a star or anything else. Someone puts them there. But when you see apples growing in an apple tree, it's not because somebody has put them there, but because they, they have grown out of the life that's in the tree itself. And so the Holy Spirit is given to us, the presence of God in our lives, changing us from inside out so that we grow the fruit of the Spirit, a 
series that we looked at quite recently here. And so even though people might not understand very much about the gospel or about Jesus, they should be able to see the life of Jesus growing in the lives of his followers. A change, a transformation, our minds set on different things, and our priorities reshaped and our behavior reshaped. And so that leads verses 9 to 11 to, to different outcomes as well. We all start in the same place. We are sinners before God. We need the gospel. We need a Savior. That gospel is offered to us. That Savior is presented to us. And either we follow and have our priorities and our lives changed, or we don't accept that Savior and, and continue to go our own way. And, says the apostle, verses 9 to 11, the, these two things lead in different outcomes. It shouldn't surprise us that if you go down different roads, you'll get to different destinations. One narrows in on the experience of death, and the other opens out into God's eternal life. Wanting to know God and knowing God better takes us into a way of being with Him, following Him more closely, and so ending up where He is in His kingdom with all its fullness. Not because we've been good enough, not because we've tried hard enough, but because He welcomes all who come to Him, who follow Him. Those who go their own way, no matter how moral they might seem to us, to us, no matter how worthy, no matter how much we like them, those going their own way, verse 8, cannot please God. And so their way ends in death and not in life. And that's a big deal. In fact, there isn't really a bigger deal than that. Christ has died and risen to be our Savior, and all who receive Him as such, all who are in Christ, who receive the Holy Spirit, who live in the presence of God through the Spirit, live a life that is shaped and guided by the Spirit. And that's a huge deal. And so we have to make sure that's, that the gospel is something that we, we give proper care and attention to. The Spirit comes to us and brings the truth of God to our minds, the love of God to our hearts, the character of God to our lives, and the power of God to our service. And that is the so what. So what is everything. The gospel is not simply a, another story that's there that you might like and might not like. It's not simply a set of options of things that you might be interested in or not interested in. It is the story of all of life it is the story of God's world and God's commitment to, to bring that world to salvation, but it entails a response being needed from us. And so we need to check and see, have I responded? Have I listened to that gospel? Have I taken that Savior and received His Spirit? And it's because that's important that there are several ifs in these verses 9 to 11. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, verse 9. If Christ is in you, verse 10. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, verse 11. Now, Paul is not introducing these ifs in order to create some kind of uncertainty, but to encourage us to check. He's wanting us to avoid presumption. There are two alternatives, and they make the biggest difference that there can be to human life and human living. 
not just here and now, but in eternity. So be clear, test yourselves, check it out, says the apostle, do an inventory. Who or what am I trusting in for no condemnation or for forgiveness? Is my trust in myself being worthy or being better than other people? Will that justify me before a perfectly whole, pure and holy God? No, it won't. So am I accepting that I can never make Gordon Palmer good enough? But I simply have to say, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. So who or what am I trusting on for the no condemnation? Secondly, what is my mind set on? What are my big desires? Who do I aim to please each day? Satisfy myself? Satisfy family? Satisfy... Or am I saying, what can I do to please our Father? What can I do to serve in the kingdom of God today? What would I like to see happening in my world, in my life? And is that fitting in with the priorities of Jesus? Am I more concerned about my comfort or about justice in the world? Were I to choose between, say, winning something huge in the lottery or some folks in my family becoming Christians, which would I choose? What are my mind set on? What are my ambitions? And then thirdly, what shapes my conduct? How do I decide what is right and what is not right? Am I just drifting along with what everyone else thinks? Or is fruitfulness of Christ growing in me? And so the questions that we have asked in Come and See, the questions that the series has raised are huge, huge questions and questions that affect everyone ultimately, for we will all have to stand before the judgment seat of God. And most of all, the question is, what have you done with Jesus? Did you embrace Him and His love? Or did you say, no, it was more important that I went my own way? We need to check these things out. One way you can, and if you want to get in touch with me, I'll be happy to pass it on. There's a number of copies of a small book here by Carol Lafferton called Spiritual Health Check. It's exactly that. It's saying, take a look. Am I following God? Am I in a place where we can see that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are with me and, and that I'm got my mind set on these things, that he's shaping my conduct. So if you want to get in touch, I'll be happy to pass on this uh, very, very short but very worthwhile book. And nothing is more important than that. You can have the biggest, the nicest, the most fantastic house you like, but sooner or later you're going to have to move out of it. Biggest, fastest, snazziest car, but one day you won't be able to drive it. But with God and His kingdom, nothing is lost. But now is the time to do the check to make sure that that's the road that we're on.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank You for Jesus coming among us. We thank You for the humility of His coming, and yet also for the direct challenge that He gave to follow Him. Forgive us for the times when we've made other things more important than You. Forgive us for the times when we've thought going our own way was the right and better thing to do. Forgive us for the times when in our weakness of sinful flesh we gave in. But assure us of the no condemnation that there is in Christ. And Lord, reshape our minds, our ambitions, our priorities. Change our ways and help us through your Spirit to grow more of the way and life of Christ and how we live. And in his name we pray. Amen.